0: Hey, what is up, everybody? Awk here with another Shut Up and Write community podcast, Words Imperfect, episode two. Yeah, I'm amazed we made it this far, too. Anyway, i got another story to read soon. Uh, I swear I'll get to that in a minute, but first I want to talk a little bit about something that's in the story, which is the death of a character. Because um, a lot of times when I read stories that involve things like, uh, well, death suicide, homicide, something else that involves somebody dying, I often kind of wonder to myself, like, could this have been achieved, whatever effect it's having on the plot, could it have been achieved by doing something else, something less dramatic, I guess I would say. Although I suppose the word drama or or shocking or something like that isn't quite the right word, because I often see it a lot, especially in shorter stories, uh, and particularly from new writers, where it's just used as something that's trying to be dramatic, it's trying to be shocking, but it just kind of comes off as, well, did you have to go that far? Did you have to do that to that guy in particular? You couldn't have think thought of a, another reason why such and such a thing happened? I know I'm talking in vague terms because unfortunately the story that we have today handles death pretty well, but before we get into that, I just wanted to say that it's, it's not really death itself, I think, in fiction that causes drama. Death in fiction is not... By itself, necessarily, that interesting of a thing. I mean, you have a fictional world, you can do whatever you want with it, people can kill each other. Yes, you, it's very, very edgy. I'm glad that you figured that out, that kind of stuff. But I think it doesn't really create drama or shock. It's the investigation of, of the exploration, really. That's the word I'm looking for. It's the exploration of those themes. Uh, the tension that comes from, for example, a character narrowly avoiding death or having to deal with the death of a loved one, something like that, that's where the drama really actually comes in. Um, and a lot of times I just see people think, wow, I really wish I could get an emotional reaction from my audience, something like that. And they'll just kind of like throw in a death here or there, or they need to solve a problem. They need to get a character out of the way, or worse than that, they need to get a character motivated to do something so they end up killing somebody or having them kill themselves. Something really over-the-top, where maybe you could have come up with a solution that was a little bit more clever. However, as I said, today we're reading Janine by Ray Thompson, and this is a story that I think does death really, really well, because not only does it manage to make me care about a character dying, which is difficult enough, especially in a a short, you know, under 1,500-word story. That's pretty great. But it manages to make me care about a character that died before the story even began. All right, let's have a look at Janine by Ray Thompson, and it opens with Janine, which is by itself and a paragraph by itself, uh, and it's just a dialogue, somebody is shouting for this character, or for the title of the story, not quite sure yet. Meet at the trailhead by noon. You can go down a harder route, I trust you. Just come back to the start when you're done. I'll be waiting, with warm cocoa and a smile. I love you, darling. Janine! That had been the plan. As I called her name for the second time, it sunk in that it had been the only plan. But the sun was a bit past its peak, and the cocoa wasn't quite so warm, and I was still waiting. Janine! I reached for my pack. After digging into the small pouch at the front, my hands returned with a notepad and ballpoint pen. The ink at the tip was frozen, but no matter. Warming the pen gave me time to think. The route was difficult. They'd given it a rating of double black diamond. It was far too much for me. But for Janine... Janine! That's my interpretation of that. She could make it. She cut through the slopes with ease. She made double black diamonds look like ballet, employing a balance of grace and power that was truly her own. She was already on her way to the trail, had to meet her sweetheart, who sat with a pen in the corner of his mouth, hoping that the cocoa would still be warm when she arrived. Janine could make it. But just in case she couldn't make it before sundown, I took off a glove and wrote... Janine, this is a letter now. Janine, if you're reading this, please go back to the cabin. Don't wait for me, because I'll be right behind you, eager to hear about how your day went. I'm glad we could finally make it up to Yukon. Spending time with you this week has been a joy, and if you can stomach a blue square route, I'd love to have you by my side tomorrow. Sorry if the cocoa is cold. Always yours, Brian. Alright, that's the end of the letter part, and I'm going to stop here for a second. We're only about, oh, halfway down the first page, I think. Uh, We have made it through the first couple paragraphs, and I kind of wanted to get through all that in one big chunk, Uh, because it's got this repeating pattern to it. It's Janine, 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 four times, the fifth times in a letter, and I really already love the way this is being written. I mean, it's already quite clear somebody is dealing with a hopeless situation, totally fine. Um, but I like the way that it's not just about the character sitting around feeling hopeless. There are certain details about the world around him where things are just starting to go slightly off. You know, they've got a routine, I would assume. For example, these two characters. They know, uh, he expects her to be back at a particular time. That's why the cocoa is ready. But then things are starting to just go a little bit off in his world. The cocoa is starting to get cold. The sun is a bit past its peak. Things aren't looking, it just doesn't feel right. And that's what I like is being conveyed here. Something is going wrong, but it's subtle. And it's through these subtle details where you start to get a sense of discomfort. I mean, who wants cold cocoa? Not me, that's for sure. Another thing I like is that he is warming the, uh, a little detail there about warming the tip of his pen. In order to write this, because number one, that means that there's already a significant amount of time that's passing. I mean, not only is it a, a lot of time passing because he has to warm up the pen and write the letter, but it also means that so much time has passed. Something has gone so wrong that he has to now resort to writing something uh, because something is is off. Um, and I like the imagery of um, I like the imagery of Janine, for example, um, going down these these crazy routes. Um I like the imagery of just even talking about how he has to take the glove off and he has to put the uh, the pen in the corner of his mouth you know trying to warm it up because it reminds me without telling me that it's so damn cold that it's so damn cold um and it's sort of giving this impression really between that the cocoa uh and all that that you know the the comfort <laughs> of this world is kind of starting to fall apart in very small ways. It's not as warm. It's not as sunny. He has to deal with his writing implements being all out of sorts, which as any writer will tell you, of course, is just the worst thing in the world. So, it's subtle, and I'm already nerding out about it. The paragraphs between the Janine, the calling, um, are about all the same length. Even the letter itself is the same length. Um, the last Janine is actually written slightly differently. It's like J-A-9 in italics, because it's you know the desperation is um, building up, and by the fourth time, it's Uh, more of a forceful call, and by the fifth time, it's not even a call at all. He's writing it, because, again, something's gone so horribly wrong, he has to actually sit and write a letter. So, there's already a lot for me to nerd out about, and we're not even past the first page yet, so I'm going to continue and try to go in in a, a, a large block of text. I fired two flares in the air. If she was lost, she wouldn't be, but if she was, then she would be able to find her way. I set the notepad and the thermos by the trailhead post. Then I reaffixed my skis, faced the mountain, remembered to smile as I set out to find my darling, my everything, my Janine. Now, this is somebody who is not particularly that great at skiing. We know that because he's talking about, oh, can you stomach a blue square route? Now, without even having to look up the difficulty ratings of different ski slopes and stuff like that, you can tell, oh, can you stomach this, you know, newbie stuff is the tone of it. So we know that he's not necessarily that great at it, but he's now written a letter and he's going off to find her. That's how desperate he is right now. She was out there. I repeated it to myself with each trudge through the incline, because it was the truth. I would spot her soaring around the trees, pushing the limits of her skis. She would make it look as delicate as if she was cutting through clouds. She would stop when she saw me, and I would explain everything, and we would laugh. It kept the smile on my face, just thinking about what a kick we'd get out of this whole thing when it was over. She could make it, and she was out there, and I was coming for her. Night came but i knew i could i would see janine just over the first ridge when it cleared my smile disappeared just for a second the valley below was an impossible sight to pick apart the only light came from the moon which reflected off the snow and gave the whole landscape a certain radiance janine would adore it on our way back out and with that sentiment my smile returned i took off my goggles trying to gain any edge in determining which what each black speck in the valley was most were Trees, undoubtedly, but any one of them could have been so much more, and unless I could adjust to the darkness, I would never know. I inched my way down the slope. It was steeper than any blue square I'd ever been on. If Janine would have been there to see the way I clung to each tree on the way down, she would have smiled and told me to grow up. I would smile back and ask what the fun in that would be, and then instead of clinging to trees on the way down, I would cling to her. God damn it, Janine, I needed you there. Janine! My ski slipped. It's ridiculous how suddenly that can happen. One second I was inching my way down, and the next gravity and the mountain were convening to decide which breakneck speed was right for me. A tree caught my fall, and even if the bark struck like a hammer against my chest, I breathed a sigh of relief. Patience. It was a double black diamond, for a reason. I inched my way downward again, and again I slipped and collided with the next tree down the line. It was efficient in a brutal sort of way. I was getting the shit kicked out of me by Mount Lucania, but if it was the fastest way down, then I would embrace getting the shit kicked out of me by Everest himself. Inch, slip, smack. Inch, slip, smack. Inch, slip, nothing. I tumbled, lurching between the black sky and the shining ground. I was free, untethered from the slope, unbound by my skis, liberated from any earthly control. Nothing stopped me as... rolled down the slope. Should be an either. uh, Until something did. My head snapped forward, and my lungs flattened against the tree. I clutched my side, not sure exactly what I'd ruptured, but certain that the tree had left more than just another bruise. Yeah, and it's cut off, which I'm not terribly good at doing, unless I punch myself in the throat, which I'm not doing. Lightning rattled my cognizance. Whatever was broken inside of me, it made shouting out of the question. Even my breath became in a spasm, and I writhed against the snow, trying to figure out living all over again. My equilibrium had left me, and with every second I laid there my other senses were following. The cold took my touch. The collision distorted my sight, but the mountain wouldn't get everything. I would find her. I clutched at the tree, and I pulled myself up, and I clung to it as I looked for my missing skis. One stuck out in the snow nearby, and I was able to reach for it without letting go of the pine. I snatched it, and as soon as it was in my hands I nearly dropped it again. It wasn't mine. I squinted back into the dark. There were nothing but shadows, but they and they danced as I staggered every which way, fighting for my balance. I clung closer to the tree. Straining against the night, some of the shadows gained definition. Some were still trees, but this time, some weren't. Down the slope was a pack, and against it, my darling Janine. The pine left my grasp, my feet left the ground, and I couldn't have been happier as I tumbled down the mountain all over again. I came for you, sweetheart, phrasing, and I never thought twice. When I... "'Touched the base of the valley I crawled, "'banana after banana, until I could hold you, "'until I could tell you everything would be okay. "'Then I saw you. "'Oh. Oh, Janine. "'I saw that you had fallen. "'I saw that you had inched, slipped, smacked. "'I saw that you had tumbled, and I saw that you had crawled. "'Your eyes were frozen, locked into the peak of Mount Lucania, "'and you held an orange pistol against your chest. "'I saw that you tried. "'I took the pistol from you.' Lying side by side, we looked on the peak of Mount Lucania. I promise, Janine. I promise. We'll never be apart again. And so concludes Janine by Ray. And before we get into anything else, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't mention... Some of the comments we got from somebody in our secret Shut Up and Write chat room located on irc.snoonaut.org, port 6667, uh, hash Shut Up and Write. Violet is apparently a skier herself and uh, did mention something about the signs in the story, actually. I'm not entirely sure how accurate this is because I don't ski. I'm not that cool. But I just figured I'd pass it on since, hey, it's feedback, right? So... She was mentioning that since both characters have flares, it kind of suggests that they've been skiing in the backcountry. And If they're skiing in the backcountry, that means they're not technically in the resort. If they're not technically in the resort, then it doesn't mean that there would be any uh, signs telling somebody how hard a path is. For example, they would just be going down um, unmarked paths, things like that. I'm pretty sure that's what was being said there. Um, yeah, it shouldn't be a double black diamond, says Violet. It should be backcountry skiing or off-piste or something. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but it's a small detail. Thought I'd mention. Not 100% sure here, uh, but figured I'd pass it on. Other than that, uh, the story was great. Uh, I loved the progression, really, from things being oh, everything's okay. It's great. We've got a... It's cold out, but we've got a nice warm cup of cocoa, and we're gonna talk, and everything's gonna be fine. Um, you know, it'll be great whenever you're done with your your skiing, and I know how awesome you are at skiing, too. everything's screwed and we're going to die here together on this mountain. Um, Well, I mean, technically one's already dead, so the other one's playing catch-up. But either way, uh, I really, really love the progression there. I love the fact that the death actually means something. I like the fact that uh, by bringing up all the things that the main character, that, that Brian expects to happen, it really drives home the fact that... Everything that he thought would happen in this wonderful afternoon of skiing has completely gone uh, to pot, which is it's nice because a lot of times people have things, they'll have drama, they'll have a tragic event and they won't really make um, the comparison, right? They won't bring up what was expected to happen quite as often as maybe they ought to because what is painful to the characters. What helps the audience resonate with that pain is constantly bringing up that, that hope, that thought of just, oh, she'll be skiing among the trees just when I get over this hill where everything will be fine. We'll have a laugh about it. And each time that he brings something up, it's something different. It's not just like, oh, he expects to see her. It's always, he expects to see her plus a little detail here or there some specific image that he recalls in his mind of uh, watching her ski or, or talking to her, something like that. Those are the things that really make something like this a loss, even if it's a loss that already occurred, hurt. And that's what I think is awesome about this. However, there is still kind of a problem. And if I had to be nitpicky, and that is literally like the only reason why I'm doing any of this is to be unfair and nitpicky, I would have to say... That, first of all, I'm not really sure if it fits the prompt. And the reason why I'm not sure if it fits the prompt is because I'm not really sure who is supposed to be the protagonist here or or whatever. Like, the prompt was, of course, that the story had to be written from the perspective of somebody who is not an important character, uh, a secondary character. Couldn't be the protagonist, couldn't be the antagonist, had to be somebody secondary to that. And I don't really get a sense of that because I don't feel like either character has any real character at all. Uh The character that we get of Janine is, she's really good at skiing and is a cool person. The character we get from Brian is that he's desperate And he wants his best friend, love interest, etc. to not be dead. That's the extent of the characterization we get for both people. We don't even get really a sense of who Janine is other than she skis a lot. So in order for this to fit the prompt, Janine would have to be the protagonist. After all, that's the only other character in the story, and it shouldn't be written from the protagonist's perspective. And I don't really get a sense of her being a protagonist. I don't really know what her... I don't even get a a tiny, tiny amount of detail about her life. Aside from the fact that she likes to ski, I don't really get a sense that there's a larger story here, that this is the end of it. This is the tragic death that happened at the end of, I don't really know. I. I it's just a moment in time and there's nothing wrong with that, but it just doesn't feel like I'm getting a lot of character from either, either one. Um, and so if I had to criticize anything, I would say that Janine's only character trait is she likes to ski and she's dead and Brian's only character trait is somehow even worse, which is just that he's desperate to see her again. I don't really get uh anything beyond that. And I wish that there was just a hint of something uh beyond what happened in the story. But instead, it's just, it feels so self-contained that I have a difficulty assigning the role of protagonist to anybody but the narrator right now. You know, or Brian, really. That being his name, the name of the narrator. So, Awesome story, awesome progression, awesome use of death and the exploration of loss. Fantastic. Doesn't quite fit the prompt, and I do wish that there was a little bit more actual characterization here. Of course, that's really hard to do in under 1,500 words, but I'm here to be extremely unfair, so there you go. Um, I'll be back Uh, with another story that involves a shocking twist moment that I'm actually not that big of a fan of. I'd like to see it would happen on Tuesday, but I don't know. I will do it. I'm not entirely sure when. But until then, thank you guys so much for listening. If you'd like to submit your writing to this for some reason, keep an eye on reddit.com slash r slash shutupandwrite. I will have a prompt up sometime in the future. And that's all there is to say for now, so I'll talk to you guys later.